Revelation chapter 1 is a profoundly significant and inspiring passage, offering us a glimpse into the majesty and authority of Jesus Christ. This chapter begins with a clear statement. It's a revelation from God given to Jesus Christ to show His servants what must soon take place. This immediately sets the stage for understanding the entire book of Revelation. It's not a mere collection of visions, but a divinely inspired insight into future events. The chapter emphasizes the importance of this message through the blessing pronounced on those who read, hear, and take to heart what is written. Imagine the gravity of this, a blessing directly linked to engaging with God's Word. This isn't just another piece of literature, it's a living, breathing communication from God. As we delve further, we encounter the awe-inspiring description of Jesus Christ. He's depicted not as the humble carpenter of Nazareth, but in his glorified state, holding the seven stars, walking among the seven golden lampstands. This imagery is rich in symbolism. The stars are the angels of the churches, and the lampstands are the churches themselves. What a powerful representation of Jesus' sovereignty and his ongoing presence with his people. The description of Jesus here is breathtaking. His hair white like wool, eyes like blazing fire, feet like bronze glowing in a furnace, voice like the sound of rushing waters. He holds the keys of death and Hades. This portrayal is far from the gentle shepherd we often imagine. Here, he is the mighty, all-powerful ruler of heaven and earth. What does this mean for us? It's a vivid reminder that Jesus Christ is not just a historical figure, but a living, reigning king who holds authority over life and death. The chapter closes with the comforting assurance that despite the trials and tribulations that the church may face, Christ is ever-present, guiding and protecting his people. In essence, Revelation chapter 1 isn't just an introduction to a series of prophecies. It's an invitation to view Jesus in his full glory and to find hope and assurance in his unchanging power and authority. This chapter calls us to worship, to awe, and to a renewed commitment to living in light of the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Chapter 2 of Revelation is a profound and direct message from the Lord to four of the seven churches in Asia Minor. It's a chapter that resonates with timeless truths and warnings relevant to every believer seeking to live a life pleasing to God. The chapter opens with a letter to the church in Ephesus, a church commendable for its diligence and perseverance against evil. However, the Lord admonishes them for having forsaken their first love, Jesus Christ. This is a stirring reminder for us to constantly renew our devotion to Christ, ensuring that our actions and service stem from a heart deeply in love with Him. Next, the church in Smyrna is addressed. This church is praised for its faithfulness amidst poverty and persecution. The Lord encourages them to fear not the suffering they are to face, promising the crown of life to those who are faithful unto death. This is a powerful assurance to us that enduring faith in the midst of trials is honored by God. The church in Pergamum is then addressed. They are commended for holding fast to their faith in a city described as where Satan's throne is. Yet, they are rebuked for tolerating false teachings. 
This serves as a vital warning for us to uphold the truth of the scripture, to discern and reject teachings that deviate from the biblical truth. Lastly, the church in Thyatira receives a mixed review. They are recognized for their love, service, faith, and patience. However, they are rebuked for tolerating a prophetess leading people astray. This cautions us against compromising with sin and false teachings under the guise of tolerance or love. True love and service must be rooted in the truth of God's Word. Revelation Chapter 2 speaks to the heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's a call to love Him passionately, endure trials faithfully, hold on to the truth unwaveringly, and serve Him with purity and discernment. It's a chapter that challenges us, encourages us, and guides us in our journey of faith. Chapter 3 of the book of Revelation, a vital and divinely inspired segment of the Bible, presents a series of profound messages from Jesus Christ to the remaining three of the seven churches in Asia Minor. This chapter is an urgent call to believers, urging them to remain steadfast in their faith, to overcome complacency, and to hold fast to the truth in the face of trials and tribulations. The chapter begins with a message to the church in Sardis, a community perceived to be alive in faith, but is, in reality, spiritually dead. The call here is for awakening and strengthening what remains. It is a poignant reminder that outward appearances of vitality can often mask an inner spiritual decay. The key takeaway is the importance of being watchful and reinforcing the aspects of faith that are genuine and enduring. Next, the focus shifts to the church in Philadelphia. This congregation is commended for its steadfastness and loyalty. Despite having little strength, they have kept his word and not denied his name. This passage reassures us that faithfulness, even in small measures, is recognized and rewarded by God. It is an encouragement to persevere, even when our resources seem meager. For God opens doors that no one can shut. The letter to the church in Laodicea addresses a different challenge, lukewarm faith. This church, affluent and self-sufficient, has become complacent and indifferent in its devotion. The vivid metaphor of being neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm and thus distasteful to God, serves as a stark warning. It underscores the danger of a comfortable but complacent faith that lacks zeal and commitment. The counsel given is to seek true riches, wisdom, and purity from God, fostering a relationship that is genuine and fervent. In these messages, there is a recurring theme of rebuke, counsel, and promise. Each message concludes with an exhortation to hear what the Spirit says to the churches and a promise to the overcomer. This pattern teaches us that attentive listening to God's voice and overcoming through faith and obedience leads to eternal rewards. Chapter 3 of Revelation is not just a historical account. It's a living, active call to every believer. It exhorts us to examine our own spiritual state. Are we sleepwalking through our faith like Sardis, faithfully persevering like Philadelphia, or dangerously lukewarm like Laodicea? It calls for a revival of genuine faith, a renewal of commitment, and a rekindling of the zeal for God. In summary, this chapter is a powerful reminder that our spiritual vitality is of paramount importance. It challenges us to be alert, faithful, 
and zealous in our walk with God. It assures us that despite the challenges, our steadfastness will be rewarded with the incomparable joy of eternal fellowship with Christ. It's a call to live a life worthy of His calling, constantly aware of His presence and eagerly awaiting His return. Revelation chapter 4, a passage from the Holy Bible, presents a vivid and awe-inspiring vision of heaven as seen through the eyes of John the Apostle. This chapter serves as a gateway into the divine mysteries and majestic splendor of God's throne room, offering us a glimpse of the celestial worship and the sovereignty of the Almighty. At the heart of this chapter is a breathtaking scene set in heaven. John describes being called up through an open door, symbolizing an invitation to understand and witness the heavenly realities. As he enters, he sees a throne, and on it, one who is described with the radiance of precious stones embodying the glory and majesty of God. This throne, surrounded by a rainbow resembling an emerald, stands as a testament to God's covenant promise and His unchanging nature. Encircling the throne are 24 other thrones, occupied by 24 elders. These elders, clothed in white garments and crowned with gold, represent the redeemed people of God, both from the Old and New Testaments. Their presence there, worshipping and casting their crowns before God's throne, speaks volumes about the reward and honor awaiting those who faithfully serve the Lord. Further adding to the grandeur are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back, symbolizing the all-seeing nature of God. Each of these creatures represents different aspects of God's creation. The lion signifies majesty and power, the calf, service and strength, the face of a man, intelligence and reason, and the eagle, sovereignty and supremacy. These creatures constantly proclaim the holiness of God, acknowledging His eternal nature and the worthiness of His glory and honor. This chapter is not merely a description of celestial beings and sights, it's a reminder of the continuous worship happening in heaven. The repetitive chorus of the creatures and the elders, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, and you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, respectively, emphasizes the eternal nature of God's holiness and the unceasing adoration He deserves. For us, Revelation chapter 4 is not just a historical account or a prophetic vision. It is a call to acknowledge the supreme authority and majesty of God. It reminds us that our worship on earth is connected to the heavenly worship, inviting us to join in this eternal chorus of praise. It also reassures us of God's unchanging nature, His faithfulness, and the ultimate triumph of His divine plan. Revelation chapter 4 is a profound and moving passage that draws us into a deeper understanding and awe of God's majesty and holiness. It serves as a vivid reminder of the heavenly reality that awaits believers, urging us to live lives worthy of the calling we have received. In this vision, we find hope, inspiration, and a renewed sense of purpose as we fix our eyes on the eternal King 
and his glorious throne. In exploring the profound depths of Revelation chapter 5, we journey into a remarkable vision given to John, a vision filled with symbolism and profound meaning, central to the understanding of Christian faith. This chapter isn't just a segment of scripture, it's a window into the heavenly realms, offering insights into the character of God, the nature of Christ, and the unfolding of God's plan for humanity. Chapter 5 transports us into the very throne room of God. Here, John sees God holding a scroll, sealed with seven seals. This scroll is of immense significance. It represents God's ultimate plan for the world, a divine blueprint that only the worthiest can unveil. The drama intensifies as a search commences for one who is worthy to open the scroll, but none in heaven, on earth, or under the earth could open it. This moment of despair highlights the unworthiness of creation in the face of divine holiness. Amidst this tension, a solution emerges, the Lamb. This Lamb, appearing as though slain, stands as a powerful symbol of Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen Savior. In the Lamb's worthiness to open the scroll, we witness the central theme of Christian faith, redemption through Jesus Christ. The Lamb's victory through sacrifice is celebrated by all of heaven, signifying the redemption of humanity and the fulfillment of God's plan. Heaven erupts into worship as the elders and living creatures sing a new song, praising the Lamb for His sacrifice and worthiness. This song, rich in theology, declares that by His blood He has ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. This universal scope of Christ's redemptive work affirms the inclusive nature of God's salvation plan, extending beyond any single group to encompass all of humanity. The response to the Lamb's worthiness is not limited to heavenly beings. Every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the sea joins in this profound act of worship. This universal chorus affirms the sovereignty and lordship of Christ over all creation. It's a powerful reminder that every aspect of creation is called to acknowledge the authority and majesty of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 5 presents more than a narrative. It is a theological declaration of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished. In the figure of the Lamb, we see the perfect blend of power and humility, sovereignty and sacrifice. This chapter challenges us to recognize the central role of Christ in God's plan for humanity and to respond in worship and awe to the one who is worthy to open the scroll and enact God's ultimate purpose for the world. In this vision, we find hope, assurance, and a call to a deeper understanding of the Christian faith and its profound implications for our lives. Revelation chapter 6 marks a pivotal moment in the narrative of the end times, unveiling profound truths through vivid imagery and symbolic events. This chapter is a window into the future, foretelling the unfolding of God's judgment upon the earth. We begin our journey into this chapter with the breaking of the first four seals by the Lamb, which introduces the four horsemen. These horsemen symbolize the series of events that will occur before the end of time as we know it. The first horseman, riding a white horse, represents conquest. He carries a bow and is given a crown, 
signifying his role in overcoming through deceptive means, often seen as a portrayal of the Antichrist. The second horseman, on a fiery red horse, brings war. His power to take peace from the earth and incite people to kill each other reflects the turmoil and conflict that will ravage nations. Following closely is the third horseman on a black horse, symbolizing famine. He holds a pair of scales, indicating the scarcity of food and the severe imbalance between what is needed for survival and what is available. The fourth horseman, on a pale horse, is named Death, and Hades follows him. This chilling representation underscores the massive death toll from the preceding calamities, war, famine, and disease. These first four seals portray a world plunged into chaos and suffering, a sobering reminder of the frailty of human existence and the consequences of a world turned away from God. The fifth seal reveals the souls of those who were martyred for their faith in God, crying out for justice. Their plea for retribution and the assurance that they will be avenged in God's time underscores the theme of divine justice that runs throughout the chapter. They are given white robes and told to rest a little while longer until the full number of their fellow servants and brethren would be completed who were to be killed as they were. The sixth seal introduces cosmic disturbances, a great earthquake, the sun turning black, the moon becoming like blood, and the stars falling from heaven. The sky recedes as a scroll, and every mountain and island moves out of its place. This apocalyptic imagery signifies the unparalleled upheaval and the mighty power of God, shaking the very foundations of the earth and heavens. It culminates in the terror of the people, who recognize the wrath of God and seek to hide themselves from His presence. Revelation chapter 6 presents a vivid and unsettling portrayal of the judgments to come. It serves not only as a warning, but also as a call to faith and perseverance. It reminds us of the transient nature of earthly power and the eternal sovereignty of God. The chapter, though filled with imagery of judgment and suffering, ultimately points towards the hope of redemption and the fulfillment of God's promise for those who trust in Him. It encourages believers to stand firm in their faith amidst trials and tribulations, looking forward to the eventual triumph of good over evil and the establishment of God's righteous and everlasting kingdom. Revelation chapter 7 stands as a beacon of hope and a testament to the timeless truths woven into the very fabric of God's Word. This chapter, rich in symbolic imagery and divine revelation, presents us with a vivid picture of God's sovereignty, His mercy, and the destiny of His people. As we delve into this passage, we will uncover its profound message and explore how it applies to our lives today. At its core, Revelation chapter 7 speaks to us about God's unwavering control over the affairs of the world. In the opening verses, we encounter four angels stationed at the four corners of the earth, holding back the winds of destruction. This image signifies God's absolute authority over the natural elements and His divine plan for the future. He alone dictates when and how these winds of change will be released upon the earth. The following verses introduced us to another essential aspect of Revelation chapter 7, the sealing of God's servants. 12,000 individuals from each of the 12 tribes of Israel receive this divine seal, 
symbolizing their protection and set-apartness as God's chosen people. This passage serves as a reminder that God always preserves a remnant of faithful believers, even in the darkest times. As we journey further into Revelation chapter 7, we encounter a breathtaking vision of an innumerable multitude standing before the throne of God. These individuals come from every tribe, nation, and language, clothed in white robes and holding palm branches. This awe-inspiring assembly symbolizes the triumphant gathering of God's people from every corner of the world. It is a testament to His boundless mercy and the universal scope of His salvation plan. So, how does this ancient revelation apply to our lives today? First and foremost, Revelation chapter 7 reminds us of the unchanging character of God. In a world filled with uncertainty and turmoil, we can find solace in the fact that God remains in control, orchestrating events according to His divine purpose. We can trust that His promises will be fulfilled, just as He sealed His servants in the vision. Moreover, this chapter inspires us to remain faithful to God, no matter the circumstances. Just as the 144,000 were sealed and protected, we too can find refuge in God's presence, knowing that He watches over His children. We should take heart and stand firm in our faith, just like the multitude clothed in white robes. Revelation chapter 7 serves as a powerful call to evangelism and mission. The image of a vast multitude from every tribe and nation reminds us of the urgent need to share the gospel with people of all backgrounds. We have a divine commission to be ambassadors of God's grace, extending His invitation to salvation to all who will listen. Revelation chapter 7 is not merely an ancient prophecy, but a living word with timeless relevance. It reassures us of God's sovereignty, calls us to unwavering faithfulness, and challenges us to be diligent messengers of His good news. Let us take this revelation to heart, for in it we find hope, purpose, and a glimpse of the glorious destiny that awaits God's faithful servants. In our journey through the Bible, we come to Revelation chapter 8, a chapter rich in imagery and profound in meaning, speaking directly to the hearts of believers. This chapter, as part of the last book of the Bible, is a window into the events of the end times, providing us with both warnings and promises. Revelation 8 begins with a moment of silence in heaven, lasting about half an hour. This silence is significant, as heaven, often depicted as a place of constant worship and praise, pauses in anticipation of what is to come. It's a solemn reminder of the gravity of God's judgment and the profound impact of His decisions on the course of history. Following this, we see seven angels with seven trumpets ready to sound them. These trumpets signal the unfolding of God's judgment upon the earth. It's vital to understand that these events are not random. They are part of God's sovereign plan and demonstrate His righteous judgment against sin and evil. The first four trumpets bring about catastrophic environmental destruction. Vegetation is burnt, the sea turns to blood, freshwater sources become bitter, and the sun, moon, and stars are darkened. These events, while literal, also symbolize the broader spiritual decay and judgment falling upon a world that has turned away from God. They remind us of the seriousness of sin and the urgency of repentance. The fifth trumpet introduces a new level of judgment. 
demonic forces are unleashed, causing intense suffering. This is not just a physical affliction, but a spiritual one, pointing to the deeper reality of the spiritual warfare that believers are engaged in. It's a call to be vigilant, to stand firm in faith, and to be aware of the spiritual realities that underpin our world. As we reflect on Revelation chapter 8, it's crucial to recognize its relevance to our lives today. These passages are not just futuristic predictions. They are reminders of the present reality of God's sovereignty, the seriousness of sin, and the urgency of sharing the gospel. They call us to a deeper faith, a firmer commitment to God's word, and a more fervent prayer life. In practical terms, this means living lives that reflect our faith. We are to be lights in a dark world, sharing the hope of the gospel with those around us. We are called to pray earnestly for our world, for the salvation of souls, and for the strength to stand firm against the spiritual challenges of our time. Revelation chapter 8 is a powerful reminder of God's sovereignty, the reality of judgment, and the urgency of our mission as believers. It calls us to a deeper commitment to God, to a life of prayer and witness, and to an awareness of the spiritual realities that shape our world. As we navigate the challenges of our times, let these truths guide us and inspire us to live faithfully for the kingdom of God. As we transition from Revelation chapter 8 to Revelation chapter 9, we see a continuation of the vivid and powerful imagery that characterizes this prophetic book. In Revelation chapter 8, we witness the first four trumpet judgments, each bringing a different form of devastation to the earth. Now, as we turn our attention to Revelation chapter 9, the narrative escalates with the sounding of the fifth and sixth trumpets, revealing deeper layers of spiritual truth and the profound consequences of turning away from God. Revelation chapter 9 opens with the fifth trumpet sounding, and a star fallen from heaven to earth is given the key to the bottomless pit. This star, often interpreted as a fallen angel, unlocks a realm of darkness and unleashes locust-like creatures upon the earth. These creatures are not ordinary locusts. They are described as having the power to torment people for five months with stings like scorpions. This torment is so severe that people will seek death but will not find it. This passage is a stark reminder of the spiritual suffering that can ensue when humanity is separated from God's grace and mercy. Following this, the sixth trumpet sounds, releasing four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. These angels lead a vast army that kills a third of mankind. The imagery here is intense and alarming, underscoring the severity of God's judgment and the reality of spiritual warfare. The description of the horses and their riders in this passage is particularly striking, with horses having heads like lions and tails like serpents, emphasizing the terrifying and destructive nature of these judgments. The application of Revelation chapter 9 for us today is multifaceted. First, it serves as a sobering reminder of the reality of judgment and the consequences of sin. The vivid imagery used in this chapter is not merely to instill fear, but to drive home the importance of repentance and turning to God. It reminds us that the spiritual realm is real and that our actions have both temporal and eternal consequences. Second, 
This chapter calls believers to be vigilant in their faith and to stand firm against the spiritual darkness in our world. The depictions of the locust-like creatures and the vast army serve as metaphors for the spiritual battles we face. We are reminded to put on the full armor of God, as described in Ephesians chapter 6, to stand against the schemes of the devil. Finally, Revelation chapter 9 challenges us to be messengers of hope and truth in a world that is often lost and suffering. The passage underscores the urgency of sharing the gospel, offering the hope and salvation found in Jesus Christ. As believers, we are called to be lights in the darkness, pointing others to the truth and love of God. Revelation chapter 9, with its dramatic and symbolic imagery, speaks powerfully to the themes of judgment, spiritual warfare, and the need for repentance and faith. As we reflect on this chapter, let it inspire us to live lives committed to God, to stand firm in our faith, and to be diligent in sharing the hope of the gospel with those around us. As we move from the dramatic scenes of Revelation chapter 9, where we witness the sounding of the fifth and sixth trumpets bringing forth torment and destruction, we transition into Revelation chapter 10, a chapter that marks a shift in the narrative and introduces a moment of profound revelation and promise. In Revelation chapter 10, a mighty angel comes down from heaven, robed in a cloud, with a rainbow above his head, his face like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He holds a little book open in his hand. This majestic imagery of the angel speaks to the power and authority of God's messengers. The rainbow, reminiscent of God's covenant with Noah, signifies hope and promise amidst judgment. The angel then sets his right foot on the sea and his left on the land and shouts with a loud voice like a lion's roar. When he shouts, the seven thunders sound their voices. Intriguingly, when John is about to write down what the thunders have said, he is told to seal up what the thunders have spoken and not to write it down. This aspect of the vision reminds us that there are mysteries in God's plan that are beyond our understanding, and it humbles us to recognize that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. The chapter concludes with the angel giving John the little book to eat, which tastes sweet as honey in his mouth, but turns bitter in his stomach. This symbolizes the dual nature of God's message. It is a joy to embrace the good news of God's kingdom, yet it comes with the sobering reality of judgment and the responsibilities of proclaiming this truth to others. From Revelation chapter 10, we draw several applications for our lives. Firstly, the presence of the mighty angel reminds us of God's power and authority over all creation. It encourages us to trust in his sovereignty even amidst turbulent times. The sealed messages of the seven thunders teach us to be content with not knowing everything and to trust in God's perfect plan and timing. Moreover, the sweet and bitter experience of the little book speaks to us about the nature of our spiritual journey. The Word of God is sweet as it brings salvation, comfort, and hope. However, it also brings bitterness as it confronts us with the reality of sin, the need for repentance, and the challenges of living a life of faith in a world often opposed to God's ways. 
Revelation chapter 10 offers us a pause in the series of judgments to reflect on God's majesty, the mystery of his plan, and the dual nature of his message. It invites us to embrace God's word fully with all its comforts and challenges and to live out our faith with trust and commitment, knowing that in his sovereignty, God is working out his perfect plan for the world. Moving from the striking imagery and profound symbolism of Revelation chapter 10, where we witnessed the mighty angel and the little book, we now approach Revelation chapter 11. This chapter continues to unfold the remarkable narrative of God's plan and purpose for the end times, presenting us with a vivid portrayal of His sovereignty and justice. Revelation chapter 11 introduces us to two witnesses, granted authority by God to prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These witnesses represent God's truth and stand as a testament to His power in a time of great opposition. Their ability to perform miracles, shutting the sky, turning waters into blood, and striking the earth with plagues underscores their divine appointment and the seriousness of their message. However, after completing their testimony, a beast that comes up from the abyss will conquer and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, symbolically called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. This stark imagery serves as a reminder of the cost of standing for truth in a world that often rejects it. The reaction of the people, rejoicing over their death and refusing them burial, reflects the depth of humanity's rebellion against God. But this is not the end of the story for the two witnesses. After three and a half days, a breath of life from God enters them, and they stand on their feet, causing great fear to those who see them. This resurrection powerfully illustrates God's ability to bring life out of death and His ultimate victory over all forms of evil and rebellion. The chapter concludes with a great earthquake and the seventh trumpet, heralding the reign of God's kingdom. The 24 elders who sit before God on their thrones fall on their faces and worship God, acknowledging His righteous judgment and sovereignty. From Revelation chapter 11, we draw several applications. First, the role of the two witnesses encourages us to stand firmly in our faith and boldly proclaim God's truth, even in the face of opposition or persecution. Their example inspires us to be faithful and courageous, trusting in God's protection and purpose. Second, the resurrection of the witnesses reminds us of the power of God to bring life and victory, even in seemingly hopeless situations. It reinforces the hope we have in Christ, who conquered death and promises eternal life to those who trust in Him. Finally, the sounding of the seventh trumpet and the response of the twenty-four elders serve as a call to worship and a reminder of God's ultimate authority and victory. It encourages us to live in a way that acknowledges God's sovereignty, to worship Him wholeheartedly, and to look forward with hope to the fulfillment of His kingdom. Revelation chapter 11 challenges us to be steadfast in our witness, hopeful in God's power to resurrect and restore, and worshipful in acknowledging His reign. As we reflect on this chapter, let it inspire us to live lives marked by faith, hope, and worship, looking forward to the day when God's kingdom is fully realized. 
Transitioning from the awe-inspiring narrative of Revelation chapter 11, where we witness the power of God through the resurrection of the two witnesses and the sounding of the seventh trumpet, we now enter into the richly symbolic world of Revelation chapter 12. This chapter presents a cosmic drama, painting a vivid picture of the spiritual battles that have raged since the beginning of time and continue to impact our world today. Revelation chapter 12 opens with the appearance of a great sign in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She is in labor, crying out in the pain of childbirth. This woman symbolizes God's people and the birth of Christ, who came from Israel. The pain and struggles she endures represent the trials and tribulations faced throughout history by those who are faithful to God. Then another sign appears in heaven, a great fiery red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. The dragon, representing Satan, stands before the woman, ready to devour her child as soon as it is born. This imagery speaks of the relentless persecution and opposition faced by God's people and his plan of salvation. The woman gives birth to a male child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. The child is caught up to God and his throne, signifying Christ's birth, death, resurrection, and ascension. The woman flees into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God. This part of the vision reflects the protection and provision God offers his people, even in the midst of trials and persecution. War then breaks out in heaven. Michael and his angels fight against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fight back. But they do not prevail, and there is no longer a place for them in heaven. The great dragon is cast out, identified as the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. This heavenly battle symbolizes the spiritual warfare that underpins the history of redemption. It reminds us of the ultimate victory of God over evil. The chapter concludes with the dragon persecuting the woman, but she is given wings like an eagle to escape, and the earth helps her by swallowing up the flood the dragon spews out of his mouth. The dragon then goes off to make war with the rest of her offspring. This portrays the ongoing struggle between good and evil and the persistent attempts of Satan to thwart God's plan. From Revelation chapter 12, we glean several practical applications. First, it encourages us to recognize the spiritual reality that underlies our physical world. The battles we face are not just against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. Second, this chapter offers us assurance of God's sovereignty and protection. Despite the struggles and persecution, God's plan of salvation through Christ is fulfilled and His people are safeguarded. Finally, Revelation chapter 12 inspires us to be vigilant and steadfast in our faith. It calls us to be aware of the spiritual warfare around us and to rely on God's strength to stand firm. Revelation chapter 12 is a powerful reminder of the cosmic battle between good and evil, God's sovereignty and protection, and the call to remain faithful amidst spiritual warfare. As we reflect on this chapter, let it strengthen our faith and resolve to live in the light of God's ultimate victory. Following the dramatic scenes of Revelation chapter 12, where we witnessed the cosmic battle between the woman clothed with the sun 
and the fiery red dragon, Revelation chapter 13 continues to unfold the narrative with equally profound and symbolic imagery. This chapter introduces us to two beasts, representing forces of opposition to God and His people, and it provides us with insights into the nature of evil and the challenges faced by believers. Revelation chapter 13 opens with a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns. The beast is described as resembling a leopard, with feet like a bear and a mouth like a lion. This beast represents worldly powers and governments that stand against God, drawing their authority from the dragon, who is Satan. The description of the beast's injury and its miraculous healing symbolizes the deceptive and resilient nature of evil in the world. Then we are introduced to another beast coming up out of the earth. This second beast has two horns like a lamb, but speaks like a dragon, reflecting its deceptive nature. It exercises the authority of the first beast, promoting its worship and deceiving the inhabitants of the earth with great signs. This second beast symbolizes false prophets and religious deception, leading people away from the truth of God. The chapter also speaks of the mark of the beast, a symbol of allegiance to these anti-God forces. The number of the beast, 666, has been interpreted in various ways, but fundamentally represents the epitome of human rebellion against God. The application of Revelation chapter 13 for our lives today is multifold. First, it serves as a warning against the seductive power of worldly systems and ideologies that oppose God's truth. It calls us to be discerning, to recognize the influence of evil in its various forms, and to stand firm in our faith. Second, this chapter warns us against spiritual deception. In a world where truth is often distorted, we are reminded to cling to the truth of the Scriptures, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, and to be wary of those who would lead us astray with false teachings. Finally, Revelation chapter 13 encourages us to remain steadfast in our allegiance to God, even in the face of opposition and persecution. It reminds us that our ultimate loyalty must be to God and His kingdom, and that our strength to resist the allure of evil comes from our relationship with Christ. In summary, Revelation chapter 13 presents a vivid portrayal of the forces of evil at work in the world and the challenges they pose to believers. It calls us to be vigilant, discerning and faithful, standing firm in our commitment to God and His truth, even as we navigate a world marked by spiritual conflict and deception. Transitioning from Revelation chapter 13, where we encountered the daunting imagery of the beasts symbolizing worldly powers and spiritual deception, Revelation chapter 14 brings a message of hope and reassurance. This chapter serves as a vivid contrast to the preceding visions, focusing on the Lamb, the redeemed, and the ultimate triumph of God's kingdom. Revelation chapter 14 opens with a vision of the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, 
surrounded by 144,000 people who have his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. This group, marked by their faithfulness to God, sings a new song before the throne, a song that only they could learn. This scene symbolizes the purity and dedication of those who have remained loyal to God amidst trials and persecutions, highlighting the reward and honor bestowed upon them. The chapter then introduces three angels flying in the midst of heaven, each with a specific message. The first angel proclaims the eternal gospel to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, calling for the fear of God and worship of Him as the Creator. This universal message underscores the inclusivity of God's invitation to salvation and the urgency of proclaiming the gospel. The second angel follows, announcing the fall of Babylon, which represents the corrupt systems of the world that oppose God. This pronouncement serves as a warning about the ultimate fate of all that is built on rebellion against God, reminding us of the transitory nature of earthly powers and pleasures. The third angel warns against worshipping the beast and receiving its mark, describing the serious consequences for those who choose to align with evil. This warning is a stark reminder of the need for discernment and the importance of making choices that align with God's will. The latter part of the chapter presents a vision of the Son of Man coming on a cloud to reap the harvest of the earth. This imagery of reaping and harvesting symbolizes the final judgment where the righteous are gathered to God and the wicked face His wrath. The application of Revelation chapter 14 for our lives is multifaceted. First, it encourages us to be steadfast in our faith, keeping our focus on the Lamb and striving for the purity and dedication exemplified by the 144,000. It reminds us that faithfulness to God brings eternal rewards. Second, the messages of the angels call us to proclaim the gospel boldly, to live in the fear of God, and to recognize the temporal nature of worldly systems. We are reminded to invest our lives in what is eternal, and to resist the allure of what is temporary and deceptive. Finally, the vision of the harvest challenges us to be ready for Christ's return, living lives that reflect our commitment to Him and His kingdom. It encourages vigilance and preparedness, living each day in the light of eternity. Revelation chapter 14 offers a message of hope and a call to faithfulness. It contrasts the temporary nature of earthly powers with the eternal kingdom of God, encouraging us to remain loyal to the Lamb, to proclaim the gospel, and to live in anticipation of the final harvest. As we journey from Revelation chapter 14, where we witness the Lamb on Mount Zion and the dramatic portrayal of the harvest, we transition into Revelation chapter 15. This chapter, although brief, is significant in the unfolding narrative of the end times, setting the stage for the final acts of God's judgment. Revelation chapter 15 begins with a stunning scene in heaven, seven angels with the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. This imagery is both solemn and awe-inspiring, emphasizing the seriousness of God's judgment and the completion of His divine plan. Before the angels emerge, however, we see something remarkable. 
a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, a song of deliverance and redemption, celebrating God's mighty acts and righteous judgments. The chapter describes the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven being opened, and the seven angels coming out of the temple clothed in pure, bright linen, with their chests girded with golden bands. This scene is rich in symbolism, reflecting the holiness and purity of God's dwelling place and the solemnity of the angel's task. One of the four living creatures gives the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple is then filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no one is able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels are completed. The application of Revelation chapter 15 for our lives today can be seen in several key areas. Firstly, it reminds us of the holiness and righteousness of God. His judgments, though severe, are just and true. It calls us to a reverence for God, acknowledging His supreme authority and the rightness of His ways. Secondly, this chapter inspires us to remain faithful and victorious over the influences of evil, just as those standing on the sea of glass have overcome. It encourages us to persevere in our faith, holding fast to God's promises and living in a way that honors Him. Finally, Revelation chapter 15, with its focus on the final judgments, serves as a reminder of the urgency of our mission to share the gospel. It underscores the reality of God's judgment and the importance of proclaiming the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 15, though brief, is a powerful chapter that underscores the holiness of God, the certainty of His judgments, and the victory of those who remain faithful to Him. It challenges us to live with reverence for God, perseverance in faith, and urgency in our witness as we await the fulfillment of His divine plan. Following the profound and solemn imagery of Revelation chapter 15, where we saw the heavenly preparations for the final judgments, Revelation chapter 16 delves into the execution of these judgments through the outpouring of the seven bowls of God's wrath. This chapter provides a stark and vivid depiction of the consequences of persistent rebellion against God and His righteousness. As the chapter opens, a loud voice from the temple commands the seven angels to go and pour out the bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel pours out his bowl, resulting in painful sores, afflicting those who bear the mark of the beast and worship its image. This immediate and physical affliction serves as a direct response to the spiritual rebellion symbolized by the mark of the beast. The second and third angels pour out their bowls on the sea and the rivers and springs of water, turning them to blood. This dramatic transformation not only emphasizes the severity of God's judgment, but also echoes the plagues of Egypt, reminding us of God's enduring commitment to justice and His power over creation. The fourth angel pours out his bowl on the sun, causing it to scorch people with fire. Here, the very elements of nature that sustain life become instruments of judgment, underscoring the seriousness of God's wrath against sin and rebellion. 
the fifth bowl targets the throne of the beast, plunging its kingdom into darkness. This plague affects the center of opposition to God, symbolizing the ultimate futility and defeat of all that stands against the Almighty. The sixth angel pours out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, preparing the way for the kings from the east. This action sets the stage for the final battle, gathering the forces of evil for God's ultimate judgment at Armageddon. The seventh angel pours out his bowl into the air, leading to a declaration from the throne in the temple that God's judgment is complete. This final act is accompanied by unprecedented natural disasters, emphasizing the completion of God's righteous judgment. The application of Revelation chapter 16 in our lives today is a sobering reminder of the reality of God's judgment and the seriousness of sin. It calls us to self-reflection and repentance, recognizing the urgency of aligning our lives with God's will. This chapter also reinforces the need for steadfast faith in the face of a world that often stands in opposition to God. It challenges us to remain faithful and trust in God's sovereignty, even amidst trials and tribulations. Lastly, Revelation chapter 16 serves as a powerful reminder of the hope we have in Christ. While it depicts the reality of God's wrath, it also points us to the salvation available through Jesus. It encourages us to cling to this hope and share the message of salvation with others. In summary, Revelation chapter 16 vividly portrays the outpouring of God's wrath and the seriousness of His judgment against sin. It calls us to repentance, steadfast faith, and a renewed commitment to living in the light of God's truth and salvation. In the journey through the book of Revelation, as we transition from chapter 16 to chapter 17, we witness a dramatic shift. Chapter 16 concludes with the pouring out of God's final judgments upon the earth, vividly described as seven bowls of wrath. This chapter is a stark portrayal of divine justice, culminating in the great earthquake and the fall of cities, signaling the imminent climax of God's plan. As we enter chapter 17, the focus narrows to a mysterious figure, the great harlot who sits on many waters. This imagery, rich in symbolism, is crucial for understanding the broader narrative of Revelation. The harlot represents the corrupt systems of the world, both religious and political, that have led people away from the truth of God. She is depicted as being adorned with luxurious garments and precious stones, signifying the seductive allure of worldly power and wealth. The angel in this chapter explains to John, the author of Revelation, the meaning of the harlot and the beast she rides upon. This beast, which was seen in previous chapters, symbolizes an anti-God world power. The intricate relationship between the harlot and the beast illustrates the collaboration between corrupt earthly powers and the forces opposed to God's rule. As the chapter unfolds, we see the downfall of the harlot. This downfall is a divine judgment against all systems and powers that have opposed God and led His people astray. It's a reminder that though evil may flourish for a time, it will ultimately be defeated. The chapter serves as a stern warning against aligning with such corrupt powers and urges believers to remain steadfast in their faith. 
It's important to recognize the allure of worldly powers and the temptation to compromise our values for temporary gain. This passage calls for discernment and faithfulness, encouraging believers to resist the seductive influences of the world that stand in opposition to God's truth. The imagery of Revelation 17, while complex and symbolic, speaks to the timeless struggle between good and evil, between the divine and the worldly powers. It serves as both a warning and a promise, a warning against the dangers of spiritual adultery with the world and a promise of God's ultimate victory over all forces of evil. Revelation 17 is not just a chapter of judgment and symbolism, it is a call to faithfulness, a reminder of the transient nature of worldly power and an assurance of God's sovereign control over history. For believers, it underscores the importance of living in allegiance to God, resisting the enticements of the world and looking forward with hope to the ultimate triumph of God's kingdom. As we transition from chapter 17 to chapter 18 in the book of Revelation, we witness a continuation and culmination of the themes of judgment and downfall of worldly powers. Chapter 17 presents the vivid imagery of the great harlot, symbolizing corrupt systems and influences. Now, chapter 18 brings us to the inevitable consequence of such corruption, the fall of Babylon. Babylon, in this context, is more than just a historical city. It represents the pinnacle of human pride, materialism, and rebellion against God. The chapter opens with a powerful angel descending from heaven, illuminating the earth with his glory and proclaiming the fall of Babylon. This fall is not just a physical destruction, but a spiritual and moral collapse, a result of the city's decadence, immorality, and defiance against the Creator. The vivid language used in this chapter portrays Babylon as a marketplace of luxuries and extravagances, where merchants of the earth grew rich from excessive wealth. But now, these merchants weep and mourn over her, for in one hour, such great wealth has come to nothing. The chapter emphasizes the transitory nature of worldly wealth and power, contrasting it with the eternal nature of divine justice. As we apply these truths to our lives today, it is a stark reminder that the allure of material wealth and earthly power is fleeting. It calls us to a life of humility, integrity, and a focus on eternal values. The fall of Babylon serves as a warning against placing our trust in worldly systems and luxuries, reminding us that ultimate security and hope are found only in God. Moreover, this chapter compels us to reflect on our own lives and societies, are we contributing to or complicit in systems that oppose God's ways? Are we caught up in the pursuit of wealth and comfort at the expense of spiritual and moral truths? The call is clear, to come out of Babylon, to not partake in her sins, and to not receive her plagues. Chapter 18, with its dramatic depiction of the fall of Babylon, is not just about the future judgment of a world system. It is a present-day call to each of us to examine our lives to turn away from materialism and pride, and to embrace a life centered on God's values and purposes. It's a reminder that what is exalted among humans is detestable in God's sight, and that His kingdom, founded on righteousness and justice, is the ultimate reality to which we must align ourselves. 
After witnessing the fall of Babylon in chapter 18, a vivid portrayal of divine justice against the epitome of human arrogance and moral decay, chapter 19 shifts the scene dramatically. It opens with a surge of rejoicing in heaven, a chorus of hallelujahs ringing out, celebrating the righteous judgment of God. This chapter marks a transition from the destruction of evil to the triumph of righteousness, setting the stage for the ultimate victory of good over evil. The first part of chapter 19 is a jubilant declaration of praise from a great multitude in heaven. They rejoice over the fall of Babylon, the corrupt city, exulting in God's salvation, glory, and power. The smoke from her destruction rises forever as a testament to the finality of God's judgments. This scene of jubilation underscores the holiness and justice of God, inviting all who fear Him, both small and great, to join in the celebration. Following this victorious proclamation, the chapter unfolds into what is often called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. This momentous event is a symbol of the intimate and joyful union between Christ and the Church, His Bride. The Church, clothed in fine linen, clean and bright, represents the righteous acts of the saints. This imagery is not just a future hope, but a present call to live in purity and righteousness, eagerly anticipating the coming of Christ. As the chapter progresses, it introduces the rider on the white horse, who is none other than Jesus Christ himself, depicted as a warrior king leading the armies of heaven. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns, symbolizing his supreme authority and power. The sharp sword from his mouth signifies the power of his word to defeat nations and rule them with a rod of iron. This is the Christ who will strike down the nations, tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and establish His righteous rule. This majestic portrayal of Christ contrasts sharply with the earlier images of corruption and destruction. It serves as a powerful reminder that in the end, Christ will triumph over all evil, and His kingdom will be established with justice and righteousness. In applying this chapter to our lives, we are reminded of the importance of faithfulness and perseverance. The rejoicing in heaven reflects the ultimate outcome for those who remain steadfast in their faith, rejecting the seductions of a corrupt world. The Marriage Supper of the Lamb calls us to prepare ourselves, living lives of purity and righteousness in anticipation of Christ's return and the image of Christ as a conquering king inspires us to trust in his ultimate victory over evil and to commit ourselves to his righteous cause. Revelation 19 offers a vivid picture of hope and triumph. It invites us to join in the heavenly celebration of God's justice, to purify ourselves in preparation for the coming of Christ, and to find courage in the assured victory of our Lord. This chapter is not just a future promise, it is a present reality that shapes how we live, how we worship, and how we anticipate the coming glory of God's kingdom. Moving from the majestic scenes of chapter 19 in Revelation, where we witness the triumphant return of Christ and His victory over the forces of evil, chapter 20 brings us to another pivotal moment in the divine narrative. This chapter introduces us to the thousand-year reign of Christ and the final defeat of Satan, 
encapsulating the hope and culmination of God's redemptive plan. Chapter 20 opens with an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. He seizes the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and binds him for a thousand years. This binding of Satan marks a significant shift in the spiritual battle, signifying a period of peace and righteousness under Christ's rule. The imagery here is powerful, depicting the limitation of evil and the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. The chapter then describes the reign of Christ with his saints for a thousand years. This millennium reign is a time of righteousness and peace, a stark contrast to the turmoil and deception that characterized the world under Satan's influence. It's a period where Christ's authority and justice are fully manifested, offering a glimpse of the world as it was meant to be, governed by the principles of God's kingdom. However, this chapter also reminds us that this period of peace is not the end. After the thousand years, Satan will be released for a short time. This final rebellion, though brief, serves as a testament to the persistent nature of evil and the free will of humanity. But it also highlights the ultimate sovereignty of God, as this rebellion is swiftly quashed, leading to the final judgment. The chapter concludes with the great white throne judgment, where the dead, great and small, stand before God and the books are opened. This is a moment of accountability, where every person is judged according to their works. The message here is clear. There is an ultimate moral reckoning, and every action and decision has eternal significance. Applying this chapter to our lives, it's a reminder of the temporary nature of evil and the enduring triumph of God's kingdom. The binding of Satan and the reign of Christ encourage us to persevere in our faith, knowing that evil does not have the final word. The final judgment challenges us to live lives of integrity and purpose, aware that our actions have eternal consequences. This chapter also offers hope and comfort. The promise of Christ's reign is a reassurance of God's justice and righteousness. It reminds us that despite the chaos and evil in the world, God's plan is moving towards a climax of good prevailing over evil, of peace replacing turmoil, and of God's presence fully realized among His people. Revelation 20 is not just a prophecy about future events, it is a call to live in the light of God's ultimate victory and to align our lives with His eternal purposes. It's an invitation to find hope in the midst of trials and to trust in the sovereignty and goodness of God who is steering history towards a glorious conclusion. After the profound events of chapter 20 in Revelation, where we witness the final defeat of Satan and the solemnity of the great white throne judgment, chapter 21 ushers in a breathtaking vision of hope and renewal. This chapter marks a significant transition from the themes of judgment and destruction to the unveiling of a new creation. Chapter 21 begins with a vision of a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. This new creation is not merely a restored version of the old, but something entirely new and glorious, free from the corruption and decay of the former world. The sea, often symbolizing chaos and evil in biblical literature, is no more, signifying the complete eradication of evil and disorder. 
The centerpiece of this chapter is the New Jerusalem, descending from heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. This city is not just a physical place, but a symbol of God's presence with his people. The description of the New Jerusalem is replete with rich symbolism, walls of jasper, streets of pure gold, and gates of pearl. These elements signify the beauty, purity, and perfection of this heavenly city. One of the most striking aspects of the New Jerusalem is the absence of a temple. In this city, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. This signifies that in the new creation, there is no need for a separate place of worship because God's presence permeates everything. Similarly, there is no need for sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminates it and the Lamb is its light. The chapter also emphasizes the inclusivity and holiness of the New Jerusalem. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will enter it, ensuring that nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood. Applying this chapter to our lives, it offers a profound hope and a vision of what is to come. It reassures us that the trials, pain, and suffering of the current world are temporary, and that God is preparing a place of unimaginable beauty and peace for His people. It also serves as a call to live holy and righteous lives, aligning ourselves with God's values and purposes in anticipation of our eternal home. Moreover, the imagery of the New Jerusalem invites us to reflect on the nature of God's presence in our lives. It challenges us to consider how we embody the values of this heavenly city here and now, living as citizens of the New Jerusalem, even as we navigate the complexities of our current world. Revelation 21 is not just a promise of what will be, it is a call to action for what should be in our lives today. It invites us to find comfort in God's eternal plan, to live in the light of His presence, and to strive for the purity and righteousness that characterize the heavenly city. This chapter is a vivid reminder that our ultimate destiny is not tied to the imperfections of this world, but to the glorious reality of the new heaven and new earth. As we transition from Revelation 21 to 22, we continue to explore the breathtaking vision of the New Jerusalem, a symbol of God's perfect kingdom. Chapter 22 offers a deeper glimpse into this heavenly city, providing vivid details that underscore the fulfillment of God's promises and the restoration of His creation. Chapter 22 opens with the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. On either side of the river stands the tree of life, bearing twelve fruits, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This imagery harkens back to the Garden of Eden, symbolizing a return to an unbroken relationship with God, where His blessings flow unimpeded and bring healing and wholeness. In this chapter, the curse of sin is no more. God's servants will serve Him, they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. The reign of God and the Lamb in this city represents the ultimate fulfillment of God's kingdom, a place where His presence is fully realized and His people live in perfect harmony with Him. The chapter also includes a reminder of the imminence of Christ's return. 
he declares, Behold, I am coming soon. This promise is a source of hope for believers, urging us to remain faithful and vigilant. The chapter closes with a blessing for those who keep the words of the prophecy of this book, emphasizing the importance of heeding God's word and living in accordance with his will. In applying this chapter to our lives, it serves as a powerful reminder of the hope and assurance we have in Christ. The vision of the New Jerusalem is not just a distant future reality. It is a present source of hope and encouragement, especially in times of trial and suffering. It reminds us that God's ultimate plan is to restore all things and to dwell among his people. Moreover, the imagery of the river of life and the tree of life challenges us to seek spiritual nourishment and healing from God. Just as the tree yields fruit and its leaves bring healing, we are called to bear fruit in our lives and be agents of healing and reconciliation in a broken world. The promise of Christ's return and the call to keep the words of this book compel us to live with an eternal perspective, prioritizing our relationship with God and aligning our lives with His purposes. It is an invitation to live in the light of God's future kingdom, cultivating a life of worship, obedience, and anticipation of His coming. Revelation 22 offers a fitting climax to the entire book, encapsulating its themes of hope, restoration, and the fulfillment of God's promises. It invites us to look forward to the day when we will see God face to face and live in His presence forever, encouraging us to live today in the light of that glorious future.